Welcome back. It's Munir Adam here and we have another mini episode and today we're talking about the GPA or General Practice Assistant role. Now the thing is this, if we were to be asked an exam question, write an essay about the GPA, how would you fare in that question? And yet the thing is, the GPAs can really help in the day-to-day running of a GP practice. Now you will have heard quotes like, one person's pain is another person's pleasure or just beauty is an eye of the beholder. And certainly I got the impression that GPAs were here to deal with the kind of things that we as frontline clinicians generally don't want to have to deal with. And so I thought this is great because that would free up time for us to do things that we really do want to do. And so the question is, are we benefiting from this opportunity as much as we could? And even if we're not involved with management, could we be having conversations with those who are? In collaboration with Integrated Care Support Services, let's continue Season 2 of Primary Care UK. Hello, my name is Sharon Kelly. I work in the Workforce Training and Education Directorate at NHS England, and I'd like to speak to you about the general practice assistant role and give you some more information about that and how it came about. To give you a brief overview, as part of the wider team in general practice, general practice assistants provide a support role and carry out administrative tasks combined in some areas with some basic clinical duties. Their focus is to support general practitioners and nurses in their day-to-day management of patients. And what they do is help to free up time by reducing their administrative burden and contributing to the smooth running of appointments, as well as improving patients' experience in the surgery. So how did the general practice assistant role come about? It was first introduced and developed in the United States and then introduced to the UK by Health Education England in 2018, which is now part of the new NHS England. The GPA role, as it's known, has been adopted and spread across England now to each of the seven regions. And it enables the development of both the existing and newly recruited non-clinical workforce within primary care. The role is also underpinned by a defined job description, competency framework, on-the-job training and in some cases associated accreditation and is supported by our training hubs. From September 2022, the GPA role was also introduced to the additional new role scheme also known as ARRS, which provides funding for practices to support the role. In the next section, you'll hear about the benefits of the role from a real-life London general practice assistant who has recently completed the national GPA programme and the opportunities this has led to. And now let's speak to Honey, who recently qualified as a GPA. It's really great to have you on board to give me an opportunity to learn about a role. And I have to confess, you know, somebody said to me, hey, you want to do an episode on the GPA role? My first reaction was, hang on, let me just look at what this is. If that's how I am, there's got to be other clinicians out there who know very little about it as well. So I'm really going to try and cover the basics here. So let me start by asking you to introduce yourself. And then after that, a dummy's guide to the GPA role. 
Yeah, hi. Thank you for having me here. My name is Honey Tandon. I've completed my master's from in global health from King's College London and post that I completed my GPA course from the University of Chester. A GPA course basically is a general practice assistant course. So in the surgeries like we've all been doing most of the works in the administration is helping out patients, helping them with the queries, signposting them and helping out the GPs to save their time for the clinical care. So this has actually been a very good help for the entire surgery. Well, that's great to hear. And I love it when I hear somebody say this is here to help the GPs and of course the rest of the clinicians as well. Because the one constant in primary care when I speak to different clinicians is I am so busy. I've got so much to do. And indeed, there is so much to do. And it's because of the way different systems and different industries work. And this is one in which we can really not limit the demand. So there's always more work to do for everybody. And so it's always great to have more people on board to deal with that work. But let's start with a bit of background. I'm a working professional with one of the surgeries. So it's a multidisciplinary role. There's a teamwork. So GPA is basically, it's a bridge between the gap between the clinical and the non-clinical work. So uh, the GPs are actually freed off from the non-clinical part of it. And it's not about just the GPs. Like, for example, when we talk about some letters which the patients want or some forms which are to be filled in for the patients. So we just free them out from that time so that they can concentrate more on the clinical care, the timely addressal of the queries of the patients, which may not require the GP or the other clinical care time, but it involves a lot of things. So it's, it's not just um, uh, filling a form, but it requires signposting. It requires helping out patients for their daily queries. It could be addressing to their anger as well at times because you know if they've been in the queue for long and they've not been addressed to answering them in a manner which is helpful for them so that's basically the role is all about that sounds really welcoming because there's going to be some listeners who are going to be thinking that with all of these new roles why do we need yet another new role and actually you've said two things which resonate really positively with me as a gp one is somebody who can deal with the paperwork or the administrative side of it, because this is an aspect that we generally don't particularly enjoy doing. I hope I'm right in generalizing in that way. It may not be true for everybody. Some people might absolutely love it. And then the other thing you said is dealing with patient queries and sort of soft level complaints and things and pacifying them in that. Again, that's really helpful. So hopefully that will convince people. Can you say a little bit more about what sort of things you've been doing and some of the other things that a GPA specifically can do? Yeah. So like I said, it's, it's it involves multitasking. So we can start with again, calming a stressful situation. So, you know, it could be an aggressive patient helping them out, calming them out, to understand their queries and to actually signpost them for what, what they've been coming in for. Apart from that, if there are any forms or letters, the referrals being sent, especially, you know, in the hospital side, and there are on a, hundreds of them on a daily basis, the first level of it, completing them, and then okay. forward it to the GP where they give the final approval, and then sending it to the hospitals, recoding them. So it requires a lot of, uh, you know, multitasking, a lot of communication. So you mentioned about dealing with patients. So it actually does involve direct patient contact as well. Yes. So it's not purely administrative in that sense, but actually involves communication skills and things like that as well? Yes, it does. It's, it's a role on a daily basis. And this really works out to help the time. It minimizes the wastage of time is what I will say. That's the, that's the most important role of a GPA. So 
if you're dealing with queries with patients who want to discuss maybe their needs, they feel that their needs haven't been addressed, maybe they can't get an appointment. This is something that receptionists have to deal with all the time, having to say to patients, I'm sorry, we haven't got any appointments. Do you find yourself getting sucked into those discussions as well? Yes, because I started off as a receptionist and then into the administration work. And then, and you know, at times uh, the queries may not be carefully addressed or patient might be really, really aggressive and wanted to speak to GP directly. I want to put forward my complaint to a GP. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to a receptionist. Finally, just forward it to other clinical team member or a non-clinical team member or to a manager. And we all know everybody is actually working on something or the other. So when we intervene, it's not just about addressing to complain but closing it completely. Like a patient might have just come in for a simple query of appointments not being dealt, but was that appointment actually required at the GP surgery? So what the patient had come in for, signpost them correctly, and then it's all done. So it's basically helping the patients out. And if they are signposted correctly, they know where to go for the further appointments. And you're achieving all of that through a number of things that you mentioned. So communication, that's part of it. And being organized. Yes, when we talk about the skills which are required, it's not just the communication, but I would say also the ability to to multitask. Because right. when we talk about it requires to deal with stressful situations at times, you are under a lot of work pressure, you have to complete the deadlines. And then obviously, we follow confidentiality and maintaining the accuracy. So once under, if you're under too much of pressure, the things might not turn out to be correct. But to follow it within the practice policy, to be accurate, these are all the skills apart from the good communication, like what we, what I said earlier. And you mentioned a few minutes ago about the paperwork side of things as well, hospital letters and so yes. on. So does that require some sort of training, managing data? Yes, it does require formal training. And with the formal training, you get that confidence. You get that strong organizational and the interpersonal skills. You're confident about doing it. Formal training is definitely required. Now, do GPAs generally all do the same things? Do they all have similar skill sets and do the same roles? Yes. So basically, when we talk about the complete framework, yes, there are five modules, which are the basic modules, which includes the care, administration part, the clinical part, the communication uh-huh. part, which also includes the managing health records. So there are different modules, but minimum of three. Yes, it is important to be done if we need a certification. So you start off with three and then you can develop more as you go yes. along. Yes, this is a new role. This has been recently started in 2019 and it has been successfully launched in the northwest of the UK. So once it was done there, it was a success there. It was realized that, yes, a lot of times for the GPs and the primary care practitioners are saved. It was taken further. If I'm not wrong, roughly around more than 300 GPAs have already been trained in the same program. Right. Okay, great. So it's taking off then. What I want to ask you is for you... What would you say is the part of your job that you like the most or find the most rewarding, perhaps I should say? Work is work, isn't it? I really like communicating it with the patients. I I really like to bridge that gap between the patients and the primary care team members. And that's what we are here for, you know, patients coming for their clinical problems. So if you're resolving it out with the clinical team, with helping them on a timely manner, the the best person can be a GPA at times, <laughs> more than where okay. the patient wants to see them. I, I have those cases wherein the mm. patient might come back to only meet me, you know, rather than, can wow. you do it? Yeah, I want to talk to honey. I, this is something which I need to speak to her. This is related to my letter. I want to speak to her. So I think that's very important. That's a kind of, a, you know, rapport, you build it with your patients.
Yeah, I can certainly understand that being a rewarding aspect of it. Conversely, then, are there times when you find it really stressful? Yes, it is. When you have those deadlines, when there are times you've committed to one of the patients that this is a deadline, you'll be, you know, delivering it to them. But you couldn't make a contact yourself with a team member, or maybe they're on leave. So even you are stuck at that time. How to resolve it, how to go to, you have to be quick thinker, how to get it resolved immediately. So yes, I, I do have gone through those stages wherein even I got frustrated, like why it is not being done on the timely frame, why it's not being done the way patient had asked me to do it like when we talk about the theoretical part of it and when we talk about the practical part of it theory Mm -hmm. we do learn it's like boosting our you know confidence it is getting the certification but we when you're actually dealing with the patients in the primary care setup you evolve more your interpersonal skills build up so the communication examples during your lectures they are way different like from and way above and loads more than what it was being just taught to you. So that's, I think, the beauty of it. And when you're dealing it on a daily basis, you pick up, you learn more. And that's very enjoyable. Ongoing learning. Every day is a different day. Every day. Do you feel that when things are a little bit difficult, then they could have been improved if other people, whether it's patients, whether it's clinicians, managers, if other people understood what you need to do if they understood it better? I would say yes at times, but like because now this GPA role has been involving people are understanding. I think you have to create your importance. You have to explain it to them. Okay, you know, this is a workload. I know it might be a little more tasking for you, but if that can be shifted to us, let us do it and let us do it together. Like I'll talk about referrals. Referrals is something which is which consumes time. It has to be done hundreds on a daily basis. But yes, if the GPA is a bit, you know, aware about how it has to be done correctly, being sent it to the correct place, it saves a lot of time for the GP. But yes, it has to be done with the involvement of a clinical team member. Right. Well, some people might be thinking about training up for this, or there may be GP partners and managers who are thinking we could actually do with somebody just like that in our practice. If they wanted to train people up, what you've said is this is sometimes somebody who might already have been doing the role in some capacity. And this is a case of formalizing it, getting that accreditation and so on. What's the course like and who do you think it would be suitable for? It is suitable for anyone who wants to take up the GPA role. Yes, when a clinical team member is stuck, you can take up a role. I would quote with an example for those who have done the clinical part of it or the care module of a GPA. They also help the healthcare assistants. You know, when they are suddenly they've been a dropout, they couldn't come. They are patients who are lined up, so they can take up the blood samples for them. It is it is quite promising. So it's quite flexible. But what about the course itself? How long is that? So the course starts from a minimum of six months to a period of one year. And it is an online module. But for those taking up the course with the clinical part of it, it has to go for formal trainings. It could be like once in a month or so. But that is only after a period of six months. And that would be organized by the university, presumably? That, that is organized by the university, yeah. The modules are quite flexible. The timings are flexible because like when we talk about the GPA course, you with, with the current work which you're going on, you're already working. You're already a professional. And along with that, getting into an educational university, it's not easy. You know, you have to take out time to study for those modules, obviously. And in a, in a primary care practice, you know, it's, it's like a complete dedicated work. 
So the, those ways, the modules have been flexible. You can do it at your own timings. There are assignments which you have to do. And alongside with that, there is a lot of practical learning. It's basically the same learning which you are doing it, but you're doing it more formally. You are understanding the in-depth of why you are doing it. Why is it important? Even my thinking has been changed a lot from what I started off. And then when I took over the professional training for it, it it really changed. So I could understand the role more better. I could understand the clinical side of it much better. I could understand the non-clinical side of it much better. I was thinking in addition, it might also be beneficial for practices in terms of protecting them if they have somebody who they can demonstrate has the accreditation and training in place. And you also mentioned earlier in the episode about the confidence that it gives you as well. Yes. And everything comes at a price. So is this something that normally gets funded by the practice or do GPAs normally have to just do this in their own time and their own expense? How is it for you? Yeah, it could be both ways. As I was already associated with one of the practice surgeries, it was funded by my surgery and then I completed the entire six months course within the time frame. And I plan to take another module as well next year. Well, there we are. That's fantastic. It's, it's really nice to hear about this. I'm now thinking a time might come where we're going to be thinking, how on earth did we ever survive without the GPAs? Because it really is an opportunity to share some of the work in a more effective way. And it can be rewarding, as you mentioned. It's nice to hear that you enjoy those things as well. Great. Thanks for joining. So how can you get involved in the General Practice Assistant National Programme? There are a few routes to becoming a General Practice Assistant, which are open to your existing or newly recruited non-clinical workforce and a range of provider models on offer within the different regions. Your locality training hub should be able to help signpost you to your key general practice assistant program contacts who can help support you with implementing the role within your practice. So how can practices and learners get involved in the program? If you are interested in finding out more information on the general practice assistant role, and how your GP practice and learners can take part, do contact your local training hub lead. And you can find out more by checking the links in the show notes. Okay, three important messages. First, we believe that podcasting should be interactive. You may have comments you wish to make about something you've heard. You may have something to contribute. After all, we don't know it all. Or you may have a question you wish to ask us. And you can do that by joining our primary care community group on LinkedIn. And a link to that is provided in the show notes. Second, do tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast and leave positive ratings and comments on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you can. The reason for that is because positive ratings and increased downloads attract sponsorship from professional organizations and allows us to avoid putting in those intrusive ads that are so often found in podcasts. And finally, if you do wish to sponsor us or get involved in contributing to episodes, you can get in touch with us on our website, primarycareuk.org. But that's it for today. Until next time, keep well and keep safe. UK was developed by Therapeutic Reflections Limited to inform, educate, support and unite the primary care workforce. Specifically, it is not for the general public or patients. 
All information and advice contained therein is time, location and context dependent and is general advice only. No guarantees are provided with respect to the accuracy of the content. The hosts, contributors and the organizations they represent do not accept liability for any actions, consequences or effects that result directly or indirectly from the content provided. Please refer to the episode description for more information. Thank you for listening.